Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, the U.S. housing market continues to grow with rising prices, new construction supported by a strengthening domestic economy. And President Trump, love him or hate him, has plenty of options to boost the economic forecast and the housing markets from California to Texas to Florida. You know, it's a seller's market across the country with persistent buyer demand. Despite gloomy housing forecasts, the last four years have completely missed the mark. It has been strong and there's a lot of growth, strong demand, low inventory. And according to new data released by NAR, the National Association of Realtors, home prices are still rising, although a lack of listings are suppressing sales. That means low inventory. It's been 35 plus straight months of declines in home sales. That just means that the market is tight and continues to be tight, which makes it challenging if you're looking to buy a home. It's great if you're a seller. And if you're a real estate investor, well, we can feel the pain. I don't know if you can feel the pain if you're looking for rental properties. It's tight. So how do you pick a market and properties that make sense for investment purposes? A rental property is only as valuable to you if there is a person willing and able to use the property and pay you rent. So if you buy a house standing by itself in the middle of a desert, the prospect of you finding a tenant are very, very poor. You want a hassle-free, cash-flowing property near lots of well-paid people. And those people want to live near their jobs and the amenities they enjoy. For a property to be suitable, it must be located in a market that passes the litmus tests that I'm going to go over with you today. It's essentially seven steps for picking a strong rental market. And let me say that regardless of the market that you're in, wherever your properties are located, you need asset protection. It is just necessary and it is affordable. You know, no one wants litigation, but it happens. It's just part of life. It happens. Corporate Direct has protected thousands of clients over 30 years. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and author Garrett Sutton, who you know has written the bestsellers Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. You know, it's critically important that you have the formalities of your entities in place and properly set up. They need to be current. And if you haven't done your annual minutes or followed the other formalities, Corporate Direct has a corporate cleanup service. Give them a call or visit them at corporatedirect.com. Their phone number is 800-600-1760. Get a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist and mention this show and receive $100 off every LLC or corporation you form. Don't neglect asset protection. It's necessary and affordable. Visit corporatedirect.com. So now let's talk about the seven steps for picking a strong real estate market. It's really a test. These are seven elements. The first is choose a market that has a large and growing population. Population centers have upwards and downwards momentum. So if a city is growing, it will likely continue to grow. A city losing population has a hard time stopping that trend. As a population center grows, the growth fuels itself. More people attract more people and the rate of growth can be dramatic. Currently, populations are moving away from small towns and towards larger urban centers. 
There is a highly educated entrepreneurial segment of the population that is moving from urban centers to small towns and telecommuting. But in terms of total numbers of people, the safe bet is that bigger cities will keep getting bigger. I like to break those down into three tiers, tier one, two, and three. And this is just a general guideline, but tier one are the largest metropolitan areas like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, San Francisco. And the secondary markets or the tier two markets are pretty much the the bulk of the markets out there. You'll find them in the Midwest, the Southeast, peppered all around the country. Tier three markets are really the smaller, lower population, outskirts, large towns, small cities. And so, you know, numbers change from market to market. But don't get fixated on whether it's a tier three or tier two market. You need to look at a lot of different elements, such as whether the population is growing and the other elements I'm going to talk about here. These are facets you need to consider. But when it comes to large and growing populations, there's a lot of free information on the internet that you can look up, look up on population trends or housing trends. Two pretty big websites are the uh, government websites, census.gov and the Federal Housing Finance Agency, which is FHFA.gov. So census.gov and FHFA.gov are two sites that are chock full of all kinds of information about every market all around the country. But just doing general searches online for population growth, population trends, just use the name of the city followed by those keywords, uh, will pull up all kinds of information. So there should be no shortage of data at your fingertips to look at what markets are doing, growing or shrinking. Now, the next factor you want to look at is the diversity of employment and the job growth. And I talk about this a lot. Job growth to me is critically important because if you have jobs, you have people that can afford to pay their rent and their mortgage. And having job growth actually draws or brings people into a market. You see, people are attracted to an area primarily because of jobs. Many people would prefer to live in the beautiful mountains uh, than the suburbs, but there are very few jobs in the mountains. So if you look for job growth, you will find population growth and increased capacity to pay. And that's what we want as landlords or people who invest in real estate and we lease that out to tenants. We want people who have the capacity to pay. So where there is population growth, you will have increased demand for housing. And increased demand along with increased capacity to pay means that higher rents and higher sales prices are almost inevitable. And if you are an investor, these are great things. So you want markets that have diverse employment, which means that they cover a lot of different sectors and good job growth. And what I mean by diverse employment is you want to see manufacturing, healthcare, finance, uh, maybe um, hospitality, etc, etc. You need a diversity, not markets that are what I call one trick ponies, where it's heavily based on oil and gas. And if, if prices of oil come down, jobs are uh, basically eliminated, you know, they cap wells and people are laid off. So you don't want that you want job growth and diverse employment. Number three, choose a market that has a low cost of living compared to the national standard or the national average or the national median. 
You see, in tough economic times, companies that do business on a national level will save money by relocating to low-cost, business-friendly areas of the United States, sometimes even abroad. You know, we, we always hear about jobs being uh, offshored. For example, uh, many Americans are relocating to Texas. This has been going on for over 10 years. I remember the first person that told me they were moving to Texas from California was back in 2003, 2004. And at the time, I thought he was a little nuts, but uh, I quickly realized the reason he was moving is he can get about four times the house for the same price. Uh, And the cost of living was lower. Uh, But, you know, many Americans are just locating to lower cost markets like Texas because of uh, the low cost of living, the quality of life is high, and that is where jobs are headed. And it's been going on for many, many years. Workers and employers are leaving states like California, New England, and other high cost areas in the U.S. and relocating to where it's just simply more affordable. So affordability plays in heavily. Housing in many parts of let's say Los Angeles. I'm in Southern California. I'm not in LA County. I'm in Orange County. I'm an hour drive from Los Angeles. But if you look at housing in parts of Los Angeles, they're 10 to 12 times the annual wage, the median income of the occupants. Well, you take a look at another market like Dallas, where housing is only about four times what the annual wage is for a resident there. Most Americans are tired of being house poor and they long for a return to the day when a single income is enough to be middle class. And as you probably know, the middle class is slowly but consistently shrinking. So today's families are making housing choices primarily on the proximity to their job and secondarily on the overall affordability of the area. So let's just take a look at two or three markets here. A housing price-to-income ratio that's less than three is considered very affordable. And I'll explain these numbers here in just a second. So if if affordability is below three, in other words, housing is three times your income, your your annual um, median income, that's very affordable. If it's three to four times, it's moderately affordable. If it's four to five times, it's moderately unaffordable. And if it's over five... If it's over five times your income, that's essentially considered severely unaffordable. So let's take a look at some markets. Let's look at Los Angeles. Los Angeles right now, the median home value is about $534,000. According to my numbers here, $533,900. But now let's look at median household income. It's about $62,000. So it's simple math here. We just divide um, one into the other. Uh, 62,000 into 534, and we get 8.6 times. That's the metro area. There are pockets that are, like I said, 10 to 12 times the annual income, the annual wage, or even more. But at the metro level, it's 8.6, almost nine times. That is severely unaffordable. Now look at Dallas. The affordability ratio in Dallas is only 4.2 times. That is great, even though Dallas has been appreciating strongly over the last three, four years. But the median home value in in the Dallas metro is $266,000. The median household income is about 63, just under 63,000. You do the math, it's 4.2 times. Let's look at another market, a third one, Memphis. The median home value in metro Memphis is 162,400. 
while the median household income is 51450 so about $52,000. If you do the math there, you'll see that the affordability ratio in Memphis is only 3.1 times. That is considered very affordable. So this is the differentiator in different markets. You want to choose a market where it has a lower cost of living because that just means that people are able to better afford housing, whether they're purchasing or their rentals. Now, a note, if the median home price is more than five times the median income, those buyers will be required to use far too much of their income for housing, and they will typically not qualify for mortgages. So on the one hand, that's good if you're a landlord, because that means a larger tenant pool. But the flip side of that is, is that the numbers in those markets typically don't make sense. Those are often what I refer to as cyclical markets, and many of those cyclical markets often become bubble markets. Now, the next element is what I'll just call cash being injected into the economy, money flowing into that market. And I just can refer to this as cash injection into the baseline economy. But let me explain that. You see, every town and city needs something that draws outside cash into the community. Uh, One of the economists that I really like, his name is Richard Mayberry, calls the injection of cash into a community a cone. And He says, conventional wisdom says that that when the government expands the money supply, the money descends on the economy in a uniform blanket. This is wrong. The money is injected into specific locations causing hotspots or cones. Now, that quote was an excerpt from his one of his books called The Clipper Ship Strategy. And it's a great book. It's a very short read. Um, It's a good book to even uh, read to uh, older kids and and young teens. Um, But The Economist is Richard Mayberry, and his website's richardmayberry.com. But he talks about examples of cones. Recipients of federal stimulus packages uh, are one example of, of a cone. Natural resources like oil wells is a cone. Uh, destination tourist attractions like Disneyland, Disney World is a cone. Uh, Agricultural exports like the wine in Napa Valley is a cone. Cones draw money into the community. Now, follow me on this. Every city needs workers, and I'll, I'll just go through a list here. Nurses, librarians, firefighters, waiters and waitresses, Uh, You know, these types of jobs are support and service occupations, and they exist to serve a local population. They're not the reason money comes in, but when money comes into a market and creates an economy and there's growth, you need a second level of, of... of employment and these are support support jobs or support staff they do not import fresh cash into a local economy they're there to service the cones they don't create the cones so hopefully that makes sense um but you know without a natural resource or a commodity to import cash into a local economy the service and support jobs will quickly dry up so as you can see that the reason those secondary or support jobs exist is because of the primary industry, the primary jobs that are in that market. So they service the cones. They don't create them. Um, So service and support jobs recycle money between themselves. And uh, a large percentage of what these workers spend leaves the local economy in the form of food and clothing 
imports, taxes, uh, traveling abroad, all that stuff. So money can flow back out. Now, without a regular injection of cash coming in from the outside world, all of the cash and jobs will eventually leave a local economy. And what it leaves behind uh, are one of those desolate gas station towns that cling to the side of an interstate. Get your investment dollars as close to the cone as possible. An oil field worker is closer to the cone than an oil field worker's barber. The injection of money, the cone, created by oil consumption will keep the oil worker employed. But when the general economy gets really tight, the oil field worker, their personal spending may not be enough to keep the barber in business. So think of North Dakota. Uh, It was a small town. Uh, There were small towns all over, but uh, there was an oil boom and there was no housing. So there was a lot of jobs. There was a lot of growth, no housing. The, The housing market exploded and they couldn't build fast enough. Then they got to the point where they were building enough inventory and the oil prices dropped. Uh, They started capping wells, laying off workers. The workers left to go to other cities, other markets for jobs. And guess what? Now we had all this excess inventory. Prices came down. uh, Vacancy rates uh, skyrocketed. That's just what happens when you have all these jobs leave and then you know, the cone basically disappeared and then you had all these secondary support jobs disappear with it. I like investing in lower middle to middle class, mainly blue collar areas close to manufacturing and distribution centers. Manufacturing and distribution centers are somewhat reliable cones. So the jobs and tenants they attract are fairly stable. They're semi-skilled and well-paid. And this is not the be all end all. This is Uh, this is kind of a general guide for me, um, but this is what I like to follow. And typically I like to say that these are your B, B plus and A minus type communities and neighborhoods. And you could even classify that as a market, but the government has an unlimited ability to inject money into specific locations, creating some of the largest cones. You got to keep that in mind, but government spending comes and goes at the whim of politicians. If you are investing in or near a large government cone, just make sure that there are at least four additional cones. In other words, baseline industries importing money into the local economy. So when the government cone moves on, you won't be stuck in a declining or decimated housing market. So I'm sure you can name a, a few single cone towns where the sole employer is, let's say, a military base, college, or a steel mill Uh, or the example I just gave, North Dakota, where it was what I call a one-trick pony market. It was all heavily based on oil and gas. So, you know, all these other jobs exist to serve the population at that baseline employer or that baseline level. The housing values of those one-horse or one-trick pony towns are tied entirely to the success of a single industry, which is never a good environment to be if you're a real estate investor. So you want real estate investments in diverse economies and in markets that have multiple cones. In other words, there's industry and an economy there that's drawing money in from the outside. That bullet point there, number four, is a little bit complicated. You might want to rewind and listen to it again. Uh, But when we're we're talking about cash injections into the baseline economy, uh, it's just important to understand that even if it's at a 40,000 foot level, just the concept of money coming into a market to keep the economy growing and afloat. 
So if it's a little too complicated, don't worry about it. Just understand that you want to be in a strong growing market. And speaking of government, jobs, and the service economy, did you know that these days you can get practically everything on demand, like our podcast, listen wherever you want when it's convenient for you? And did you know that you can even get postage on demand? That's right. All you need is stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. You can buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter and any package, all available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's literally as simple as click, print, and mail, and you're done. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale. You can weigh your letters and packages and print the exact amount of postage every single time. Right now, use PREI for this special offer, a four-week trial including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type PREI, our acronym, Passive Real Estate Investing. That's Stamps.com. Click the microphone and enter PREI. The fifth thing you'll want to look at when it comes to choosing a strong rental market is having a healthy ratio between rents and purchase price. So common sense dictates that there should be a small premium attached to home ownership compared to rent. However, there are many high-priced real estate areas where it is drastically more expensive to own than to rent the same house. Think coastal California. You know, why buy when there is such a huge pricing disparity between renting and ownership? You know, when the home ownership premium is too high, it encourages foreclosures. I mean, it encourages it in the sense that it becomes less affordable and people who do own, if they can't afford it, their home goes into foreclosure when there's an economic upset. You know, we saw a, a flavor of this back in 2006, 2007. If your home is declining in value and it's much cheaper to rent the home, you will be more likely to walk away from your home if you're in a financial negative financial situation. But the inverse of this statement is also true. If it is cheaper to own than to rent and home values are stable, you will do everything possible to keep paying your mortgage. In most of, let's say, Dallas, for example, it is the same cost or cheaper to own than to rent. Uh, This substantially reduces the temptation and need for an owner to walk away thus further perpetuating a cycle of stable home values and rents. And, and actually, that, that actually has been increasing. There's been a lot of momentum here in the last few years. So stable appreciation and positive cash flow over the long haul result in great cash flowing investment performance compared to the roller coaster of price speculation that many so-called quote-unquote investors get caught up in. Again, a repeat of what we saw in 2004, 2005, and into 2006. In most recent real estate boom and bust states like California, Florida, Arizona, Nevada, remember these are the four main states that uh, were ground zero for the housing market crash um, of 07. Many speculators ignored the fundamentals of cash flow and overpaid for properties relative to the cash flow those properties could produce. I refer to this as the uh, rent to value or rent to price ratio, there was a buying frenzy that drove prices up. When the prices peaked, speculators ran to the exits and prices crashed because obviously supply increased, demand decreased, and that's when you get um, 
prices crashing. Yes, you can make a lot of money in a short period of time if you know how to time a market and you're a speculator, but you can also get crushed. And we've seen this to the tune of millions of people. So in real estate, when you're focused on cash flow and creating wealth, the tried and true way over time, slow and steady always wins the race. The sixth point is essentially access to quality of life amenities, things like arts and entertainment, warmer climates, lower crime, that kind of stuff. Again, we're talking not at the neighborhood level here. We're talking about metropolitan areas, cities. So people will move to a new area for a job. We talked about that. But they and their family will stay longer if there is a high quality of life. You know, again, a good art scene, amenities, restaurants, good schools, low crime, nice weather, etc. The U.S., the United States, is experiencing a population migration away from colder parts of the Northeast and the Midwest, uh, parts of the Midwest, the upper Midwest, into warmer climates. And not only are warmer climates more desirable to live in, they often result in less expensive real estate maintenance. You know, freezing temperatures are pretty hard on real estate. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's easier on your house when you can have moderate and hot climates than cold, freezing um, uh, climates like I grew up in. So I, I, I kind of know what that's like, and it's not a lot of fun, and it does create more maintenance. So access to quality of life amenities helps keep people in those markets stronger. It's interesting. I, I went to Shanghai last year, and I'll be going back again here in the next couple of months to talk to real estate investors there. And in China, they refer to the markets that they have the most interest in in the U.S. as the uh, the smile states. And if you look at the U.S. and you draw a smile, um, it's basically the coastal markets on the left, down throughout the south, and then up um, along the right side, the right co- the the eastern coast. Um, they don't necessarily like the far north, but they essentially uh, like the predominantly the south, and that's why that shape of a smile is uh, the reason they refer to it as the smile states. Number seven, uh, a comparatively low-cost government. Uh, low cost of government, to be more specific. You see, when you pay more taxes, uh, you have less money to spend on other things. And businesses are attracted to areas with low cost of government. In places where taxes are low, businesses are generally more prosperous. And profitable businesses are good for real estate owners. There are seven states with no state personal income tax. Alaska, Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. How can Texas, a state with no income tax, be always in the top states with surpluses um, and have low to no taxes, state taxes, when the national economy is in shambles and 44 plus states are typically running major deficits. These These are deficits at the state level. I'm not talking about national. You know, Texas has a history of conservative spending, balanced budgets, Uh, you know, a reluctance to borrow money and a very stable economy. So if a government is continually borrowing to fund its operations, the cost of that borrowing is passed on to the the taxpayers in the form of higher taxes and or lower services, less or fewer services. When you own real estate, 
your silent business partner will always be the taxing authorities of the federal, the state, and the local governments. I prefer that my business partner be as silent as possible. And so this is why I favor states that have very low or favorable taxes and a business climate. And Texas is one of those, although Texas is becoming more expensive, but it's still a great state and a great state to invest in along with Alabama and many of the other states that we're in right now. Once again, I want to thank you for spending time with me here. As always, I always like to remind you to help us spread the word. Please visit iTunes and leave us a rating and review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so now. Click the subscribe button. Uh, Remember, we have that great free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. Free download on our website, noradarealestate.com and on passiverealestateinvesting.com. Do you have a question about real estate investing or real estate in general? Click Ask Marco on the Passive Real Estate Investing website. Let me know what your question is. I will try to get back to you within a few days. I always get back to everybody, and sometimes I put those questions on the show here. So let me know what your questions are, and we can cover it here. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.